Hello and welcome to... (laughs) (laughs) Take two. Do you want me to count you down? (laughs) Got ahead of myself there. (laughs) And three, two, one... Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Hands, the theatrical cut. I'm George. I'm t- oh, fucking <laughs> hell. Just roll with it. Just go with it. Uh, been here forever. Right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Hands, the theatrical cut. As ever, I'm Terry and I'm joined by Sonia. Yeah, hello, dear. How are you? I'm good. So oh. we're in a different venue this week. We've we've shifted to my house. We're not in the conservatory. We're in the flat overlooking Debenhams. We're between the kitchen and the lounge. It's open plan living. Terry's sat next to a bin. I am. I opted to not sit next to the bin. As a gentleman, I gave her that option. So we are here to talk about Christmas films. Is this a giant pencil? It's a wooden pencil that has pencils in it. amazing <laughs> riveting podcasting we'll pop a, <laughs> maybe we'll pop a picture of the pencil pencil case the second episode will just be me playing with all of daisy's toys <laughs> <laughs> just hear jingles and such so we're gonna start as we always do with our weekly roundup so sonia what have you been watching well i've had quite i've only watched uh okay well i thought i'd watched five films that aren't christmas films since i last saw you i've watched four um, but it's been it's been quite an interesting week. The sec, uh, uh, film wise, it's been quite an interesting couple of weeks. The se- the the third and the fourth film are the reason for that. But the um, the first film I watched um, is on Netflix. It might be a Netflix original called Cam. I think I spoke yes, it is a Netflix original. It's on Have my you list. seen it? No, it's on my list. I want to watch it. Um, so Cam is. Um, I don't really understand how these um, things work. It's about this girl who um, basically films herself. In is a, a cam girl? Is that what they, is that what they're called? Yeah. Um, films herself in. She's got this room set up in her house, um, and she films herself just doing all kind of things. I guess sexy things. Um, so not babe station. I wouldn't know, <laughs> um, if I'm honest. Um, but you know, some things um, seem quite. Um, not normal but quite not filthy and then other things seem quite filthy that she's doing and she sort of she can see that people are like logged in watching her Mm. and they kind of pay her credits and I don't know if that means she's actually getting paid or whatever but someone might kind of say show us your boobs I give you 50 credits and she might kind of go oh well if anyone can top that you know give me 100 credits I'll show you my boobs I think that's how it works anyway so she's got this uh, thing set up and she's trying to um, go up the rankings. She's trying to break like the top 50 girls and stuff. And essentially someone steals her identity so, or her page. One day she goes to log on to her page and she can't get on. But her feed is live. And when she, go- when she looks at it, there is someone who looks exactly the same as her doing her stuff Ooh. and getting more viewers and she's moving up the rankings and stuff and she obviously wants to find out who this person is and try and shut them down and she starts doing a bit of investigating and I won't really tell you too much more because it'll give it away um, but I really enjoyed it like I've, like when I first started watching it I was a bit kind of like what the fuck is this because she was doing all these like weird things and I was surprised at some of the things that people wanted to see um, like I say, it's not like total like filth or anything like that. It's not like watching porn. Um, I think the, like the most extreme thing she does, she sits on this like vibro thing that like really vibrates really intensely. And like a massage chair. I bit shaped like a massive cock, I think. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. Um, and someone else has the controls for it. Do you oh, know what right, I mean? Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. just kind of like up the up the intensity i guess so that's like the i guess the rudest part um 
but you know it is, it's quite interesting I heard um, another I actually heard another podcast review it or, t- or talk about it very briefly and when I heard one of the guys say um, oh doppelganger horror that's one of my favourite sort of like subgenres and I was just like is that even a thing um, but yeah I, I think it's, it's definitely worth a watch it's had a nice I don't know if it's a I guess it had a nice little twist or it had a twist of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I just thought it was, it looked, it looked quite nice. It looked quite slick. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I guess because it's new and it's got a bit of money behind it. it yeah, just, and I've been waiting for it to come out because I follow Blumhouse on yeah. Instagram and mm. it's a Blumhouse film. Yeah. Or Bloomhouse, how you say um, You know, it's not going to win any Oscars or anything like that. And I'd, I'd probably never paid have it as part of my collection but as watching something on netflix i quite enjoyed it um and then i moved on and watched apostle straight after oh no i want to see that this has been out for a while because it's the guy who did the raid isn't it oh i didn't know that yeah it's got michael sheen what is it yes and dan stevens yes now dan stevens it's about um a, a cult basically Dan Stevens' uh, sister has been taken and they've asked for like some ransom money. So he decides to basically go and try and rescue her and sort of, I guess, infiltrate or try and get in with this group of people without letting on who he is because he doesn't want to pay the ransom. Mm. Um, he wants to just take his sister back. Um, but it's quite sort of like full on. It's quite sort of like gritty. It, I think, it, it, again, it looks really amazing. Um, some really, like, nasty characters. And these people are sort of, like, living living off the land, if you like, and living in huts and stuff. And, you know, um, when you watch stuff like that, and sometimes the people look genuinely like they're living like that. They look yeah. dirty and they look greasy and stuff. And it did have that look and that feel. And it was. I thought it was... Jesus, what am I sat on? Plastic chair. Um... I might have just snapped that. I didn't have that many chips before I came round. Um, yeah, just like it just looked really cool. Do you know what I mean? In the sense that it looked filthy. Yeah. Um, and Dan Stevens, um, I really like him as an actor. Like, I've probably, I, I'm quite sure I've only ever seen him in Downton Abbey, Beauty and the Beast, and this. And what I was most astounded by. You've not seen The Guest. Oh, yeah, and The Guest. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that was him. And um, that one you watched the other week oh. about the couple driving through the small roads. Huh? The couple no, that are that on the way to that festival. That wasn't him. That was that was I'm a sure different. That is Dan Stevens. No, it's a different guy from Downton. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but but well done for remembering that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Dan Stevens, but when he spoke, his voice is really very deep, and I assumed he was sort of like really putting on a voice for Beast, or that they'd used some kind of effect. But he's actually got a very deep voice. There's something quite alluring about it, um, and I just don't remember him being like that in Downton Abbey. So um, yeah, Apostles worth a watch. It's a bit. Is grim. Michael Sheen the cult leader? I assume. Yeah, um, but there's some proper like not like grim bits in it where they sort of punish people. It's just. Ugh. Um, but no, it's decent. Obviously, very. De- I watched it the same night as I watched Cam, um, and two very different um, feeling films. Yeah. But um, I did enjoy both. Do you want to do a couple of yours now, so we break it up a bit? Yeah, I can't do. Just me prattling on. I think the people like to hear you prattle on, Sonia. Really? Yeah. Some lovely descriptions you've been using there. Um, some people leave the room when I speak, so I wouldn't say that's always true. Yeah. So I started off my two weeks by watching Battle of the Sexes, mm. the tennis drama. I saw that at the cinema. Yeah, I think I was meant to go with you and for whatever reason couldn't go, so it's... Result for me. <laughs> Nacho chair and Terry's not there. <laughs> so did you, mean, did you mean to make a rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this stars Emma Stone as Billie Jean King and Steve Carell as a... Billy something, I can't remember his name, apologies. Uh, he's like an older, retired tennis player who still sort of likes to think he's got it. And this is all set around women trying to get equal rights within tennis, so they want to be paid the same as the men. 
they're going into a new tournament and they've basically been told they're going to get paid about 5% of what the men are paying. So Billie Jean creates her own tournament with the help of her manager and like they do a travelling tournament with these women and they they all get paid the same starting wage and obviously whoever wins, wins more. And they start to build up like sponsorship and people are liking it because obviously the men, the ma- main man is played by Bill Pullman he seems to be having a bit of a renaissance. He's in quite a few bits. Cause mm. he's obviously in The Sinner as well, which has just had a second series drop on Netflix. Um, drop? Did it drop? Yeah. That's what that's what the kids say these days. So yeah. things drop. That's all I've heard. And it's not a bad thing. Uh, so yeah, so it's them trying... What, to... like me saying you're fat? P-H-A-T? Yeah. It still hurts. <laughs> oh, I made myself lol. Um, <laughs> Tell us about your tennis film. Yeah, so Billie Jean is obviously, she's just won the US Open. She's the number one in the world. And basically, Steve Carell's Billy, I think that's his name, he's trying to set up a match against her because he thinks he can beat her so he can get some money. In a way, I think he wants to help the women as well because that will get them more press. He, in public, acts like an absolute chauvinist pig and his whole thing is a woman can, even though I'm in my 50s, there's no way a woman could beat me. Um. I mean, it's true life drama, so it's not too spoilery to say much more than that. Um, <coughs> but yeah, it's a it's a nice little film. Steve Carell's very good in it. Uh, Emma Stone's good in it. I know you're not a massive Emma Stone fan. I didn't I didn't mind her in this, but I think it's because she was it was like no frills. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, she's got a very <clears throat> like plain Jane look to her in this, although. She obviously does have an illicit affair with her hairdresser, so her hair looks quite fabulous at times. <laughs> it's the benefit of having an affair with a hairdresser, I suppose. <clears throat> Hairdressing on tap. Uh, so, yeah, so, so that was decent. I mean, not the best thing in the world, but perfectly decent evenings watching. Uh, then I watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, now tell me about this, because there's been a lot of chat about this in our little Cineworld uh, WhatsApp group, and I... I really had no idea what any of you were talking about. So this is a Netflix original as well, and this is the new Cohen Brothers film. So obviously Dan from the Mother Pod, I assume, touched himself whilst watching this because he loves the Cohen Brothers so, so, so much. Uh, so this is a Western, but it's done as like little, like little stories. Apparently, I read somewhere that it was a TV series that they then cut into a film, but apparently it was never a TV series. It was always going to be a film. So I think there's about six or seven little stories. They're in no way connected. There's not even like a character that's in one that's in the other one. And they're all very different. You've got one which is like a gold prospector in the Old West digging through. One is a bank robber. One is some people just on a carriage chatting to each other. One is a woman crossing the plains to start a new life on the other side of the country. One is... I mean, the strangest one is Liam Neeson plays like a guy who travels around with like a, I don't know what you'd call it. Like, I mean, it's like a theatre, but he's just got one guy who's got no arms and no legs and he just sits on a chair and like recites Shakespeare, who is Dudley from Harry Potter, looking very different. Dudley? Uh, His cousin, the fat one, who gets the pigtail. What happened to his arms and legs? Don't know. I mean, they're, they're very quick. I think the longest one is like 20 minutes. Which I meant the actor. No, he's got them. They've been digitally removed. Oh. <laughs> he's not fell on very hard time <laughs> since Harry Potter. <laughs> selling his legs. <laughs> um, the first one, Buster Scruggs, is probably the... It's the most Coen Brothers one, I would say. So it's... Buster Scruggs is this like outlaw, but he wears all white. He's really chatty. He's got like a proper southern accent. He sings songs and is also like this immense hitman. He's literally never misses and it's just very odd. Um, Overall, I liked it, but I was for me, with a film like that where you've got the little segments, it needs something to pull it through, something to connect it. I mean, one of the parts has James Franco in it, which obviously put it right down on my estimation. Because as I was saying just the other evening... (laughs) You don't like James Franco, do you? And re- as I said it, someone text, Terry doesn't like James Franco. <laughs> I really, really don't. Um, so, yeah, so it's... I mean, they're all quite sort of downbeat. The Gold Prospector one is probably my favourite. That's Tom Waits, but in, and it's literally him just digging for gold. 
and like panning for gold. It's quite interesting. And the one set on the carriage where they're just traveling has got quite an eerie tone because it's at night and it's just these five strangers chatting. Tom Waits, the singer? Yeah. I quite like his grisly look. Yeah, it's got quite a good cast throughout it. So you've got Brendan Gleeson, Tom Waits, oh, yeah. Liam Neeson, James Franco, Stephen Root. Who? Stephen Root. Who's that? Uh, I can't think what else he's been in. Got Dudley from Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, Dudley from Harry Potter. A chicken that can do maths. Um, oh. But, you know, decent, um, but a little bit disappointed. I think I just had higher expectations because it's a Coen Brothers film, but it was just because it was this disjointed mm. segments. Um, but no, I would recommend watching it. It's not that long. And then a film we talked about in the last pod, Primary Colours. Obviously, it was an Emma Thompson film. Oh, yeah. I'd immediately forgotten what that was. <laughs> so, as we said, that was on iPlayer. So, I downloaded that onto my iPad and I was watching that. So, Did you watch it on the bus? I did watch it on the bus. So, as we said, this is, stars Emma Thompson as essentially Hillary Clinton and John Travolta essentially as Bill Clinton as a governor who is deciding he's going to run for president. Uh, we, we, we chatted about this on the uh, group chat and it's just John Travolta just seems to be playing this character as someone who is incredibly slow. His voice really irritated me. His mannerisms really irritated me. And I don't know, it just... I thought everyone in it was very good. I thought Emma Thompson was really good. Billy Bob Thornton was really good as the sort of PR man. And strangely, Adrian Lester from Hustle, who's like the main character in the film. Um, And yeah, it just follows him and his trials and tribulations because, I mean, I guess where they aimed at it, Bill Clinton, he's had a few extramarital affairs and they're coming through and other things that he's done and basically shows that he's like this massive bullshitter and he's lying to everyone. And it's like, can they, do they want to make him president? Can they make him president? Um, But no, again, perfectly decent watch. Enjoyed it. Handing back to you, Sonia, what else have you been watching? Well... I um I watched two films uh last week and I can only I went on a voyage of absolute head fuckery <laughs> I put myself through it um and it was it was quite it was quite magical I have to say um but also I did think I was going to go ever so slightly crazy at one point because I watched um Suspiria the original, oh, yeah. Um, because I'm quite keen to see the new one, and I've booked the new one since. Um, but that's another that's another story for another day. Um, Is it out yet? Yeah, but hardly any cine worlds are playing it. I'm going to see it at the Odyssey again. Mm. Um, Thanks for the invite. Uh, you're welcome. Um, I <laughs> I watched Suspiria. And then just a few days later, I watched Mandy on the big screen. So let's start with Suspiria. So for those of you who don't know, Suspiria has recently been remade, although they're calling it a remix. Um, We're not going to talk about that because I'll be seeing that um, soon. So I'll probably cover it on the next pod. Well, I will will cover it on the next pod. Um, But I've been wanting to watch the original for a long time. Um, And now that I'm going to see the new one, I thought now's the perfect time. I had really no idea what it was about. I just knew it was one of these films that people that had a lot of buzz around yeah. it. Um, and I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. Like seriously, it. I've, I don't think I've ever watched anything so visually and audibly disturbing as Suspiria I know it's classed as a horror film as well and I didn't class it as a horror at all um, I would say it's like a thriller but the the use of sound especially and colour are so like jarring that I almost like 20 minutes in I thought I can't watch this I'm going to have to turn it off because the sound is so aw- like awful mm. I don't mean sound is awful as in the quality is bad the music is it, and it's it's done on purpose to yeah. to fuck you up, I guess. Um, it's just so difficult to to watch with this noise going on. That I honestly thought about giving up after well, it's twenty like minutes. Irreversible, so. isn't it? The first twenty minutes of that have a 
non-audible buzz, hmm. which you can't hear, but it will give you, it will disturb your brain and give you a headache. Um, no, this you could you could definitely hear. It was just it was it was just the the noise. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. Um, and so Suspiria is about a girl who goes to study at a dance school, um, and it turns out that the dance school is run by witches. Um, that that's the base, that's all I'm going to tell you about mm. what what the the film's about. Um, but the use of the the color and uh, the sound, so it's very uh, there's lots of red, so there's lots of like complete shots that are in like a primary color, and there's lots of use of the color red. And I did read a quote somewhere that's, that said the color red wasn't invented until Dario Argento used it mm. or had it in Suspiria. Um, because there are lots of very red scenes. Um, and the soundtrack was done by a band called Goblin, who worked with um, Dario Argento. And I was watching one of the special features um, or reading something about it. And the lead actress said that when they were filming, they were filming on these stages, and but the, the whole film is dubbed over. Um, and, and you can tell that. Because um, it looks like it's been dubbed in a foreign language but it hasn't they filmed it and then done their own dubbing over the top because what uh, what he did when he was directing it was play this music insanely loud to mess with the actors heads mm. and you can see why because when you're watching it it messes with your head just watching it and you know and having whole scenes in these like really bright colors which are sort of not uncomfortable to watch out but unnatural to look at, um not sorry i'm mixing up my words here not it, they're just not natural to obviously look at something that's all red. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and then with this insane music playing in the background as well, it was just, yeah, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it's to the point where I wanted to sort of like stop it and play it again, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't because I thought it might give me nightmares. But what I did do, because um, I had it on DVD, I went out and bought it on blu-ray because i thought it really deserved to be seen in high definition as opposed to the crappy old dvd copy that i've got so that's the copy that i'm going to give you is my crappy old dvd you can Thanks. just have it um and then just a few days later i went to see mandy and obviously i know you've seen mandy and yeah da um dan and i uh, both bought it on blu-ray but i decided to hold off watching mine because again they were playing it at the odyssey so i decided to go along and watch it because um, I wanted to see it on the big screen because I knew that you weren't like massively taken with it because the first thing that I was struck by were the um, obviously the the uh, influences that he'd obviously taken from parts of Suspiria with the mm. use of colour definitely and not necessarily the soundtrack the soundtrack's very different from Andy but there are certain it's still got a soundtrack that um, is very relevant to the film you yeah. know, and some of the sounds are very relevant, but the most obvious comparison is the use of color in both films, uh, because parts of Mandy are completely red, aren't they? There's whole yeah. shots in red and whole shots in other colors. The, yeah, there's the, like greens and blues, but like one color. See, when I when I think of Mandy, I think of like the colors are mainly like reds and purples and blues, those kind of colors, and Suspiria it's primary colors. Um, but the, but yeah, seeing those two films so close together <laughs> just really like messed with my head. I I quite, I enjoyed Mandy, and I really feel like you would have got more out of watching it had you seen it on the big screen first time rather than watching Possibly. it on on telly. And I'm glad that I saw it on a big screen. Um, and I will watch it again. I liked um, like the bad guys that were on the motorbikes. They reminded me of like a cross between Hellraiser and Mad Max. Yeah, I didn't really. <clears throat> didn't really do anything for me then yeah i just they just reminded me of they were obviously like a mashup of two of my favorite films i quite liked them um and i thought like the main the main bad guy was yeah the cult leader he was the best thing in it he was he was a right nasty bastard Um, ken barlow's son no way yeah is it really how about that um no i enjoyed it i'm gonna watch it again but um I was I was spoiled by watching Suspiria first, and mm. it, it was never my intention to watch those two as a pair. It just happened like that, and it just so happened because when when we went when I went to see Mandy, they had like a little introduction before, and the guy was sort of saying about 
the director's influences and mm. one of the influences was Dario Argento and I think that's very evident when you watch Mandy um, that you, this this other director has influenced him um, but yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing the new Suspiria now and um, ripping it apart because I can't see how no, I've, anyone I've can... heard nothing good about it I think that's part of the reason it's not showing anywhere because mm. apparently it's very long as well I, th- I think it's possibly a bit too arty as well. So when I was asking, uh, talking to the guy, um, the Odyssey about it, because um, I wanted to book, they have like certain days when their tickets become available and I was there a bit early. Um, and he said, oh, you know, you can't book it until such and such a day. I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll come back. And he said, but to be honest, you know, he said, I don't think it's going to, I think it's a bit arty and I don't think it's going to sell out like super, super quick. Um, which is quite interesting because I would have thought those kind of films are perfect for those kind of cinemas. Mm. But maybe somewhere a bit more gritty like Prince Charles might have. Yeah, more. they've been showing it because they had a they showed the original when the trailer started going for the new one. Yeah, I, I would have um, I would have liked to maybe see them back to back just to compare them. But yeah, I've I saw my first trailer for. Um, the new Suspiria when I watched Mandy actually which is quite interesting because they mm. don't use any of the same colours they have like a really like muted colour yeah. palette for the it the thing that intrigues me is that it's got Tilda Swinton in it and oh. she normally is an actress I really enjoy when I was watching the film because I knew that she was in the new one I was watching the film but I didn't know which role she played but I was watching this absolutely bonkers film and I was just thinking whatever role she plays she's going to be perfect in it because if anyone's suited to this film it's her Mm. Um, so yeah I'm looking forward to see it but I can I can if you like film in the sense of like how it looks as opposed to how the story is Girls Aloud film um, as you, your term that you've coined no because you have to listen to Suspiria as well because of the sound okay if you can appreciate something more for the experience rather than the story mm. then watch Suspiria I mean in a way 2001's a bit like that as well isn't it it's superior for me over that any day no I'm just saying it's a similar thing of like towards the end the plot becomes absolutely Mm. null and void it's just about what you're seeing and what you're hearing (coughs) yeah yeah I guess Uh, but yeah that's me I'm done with my two weekly roundup. other than Christmas films oh yeah yeah. Uh, so I obviously we mentioned in the last pod our next pod record after this is going to be our end of year review and we're putting together top 10 so I rewatched Avengers Infinity War as I was trying to decide on my top 10. Won't go into it too much. We've spoken about it a lot. I just think it's an absolutely phenomenal film. Bringing that many characters together in one film, giving them all decent screen time where you don't feel like anyone's been gypped. Just, and obviously the man with the purple face, as Sonya likes to call him. Yeah, because I can't remember the name of the Rocking up and smashing shit up. Um, oh, and then just something that sort of broke my heart as a father a little bit this we were went to my mother-in-law's and my nephew was watching frozen and it was just on and daisy was sort of watching it not watching it she was sat on granddad's knee and the bit right at the end sorry spoilers for frozen where anna throws herself in front of elsa as i forget his name tries to kill her and she turns to ice and blocks the sword daisy just turned ran to me and started crying and she actually like understood Frozen and like this was a sad moment despite the fact she's only two years old. Mm. And she was inconsolable. Oh dear. And it was just like she likes films. Not just fucking Fireman Sam. She what now? Not fucking Fireman Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Fireman Sam being an ass. Uh and then the last film I've watched other than a Christmas film which I watched which for this podcast, I watched a film that's a Christmas film before December, which I don't do. Um, so yeah, a lot of the stuff we'll talk about later on is all from memory. Uh, so I watched a film I think you quite enjoy, Sonia, called Fa- Phantom Fred. <laughs> I do Phantom quite. Phantom Fred. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I so, very much. so this is the most recent Paul Thomas Anderson film starring Daniel Day-Lewis. I am a massive wanker for Paul Thomas Anderson. I think his films are amazing. He's he doesn't sort of pander to anyone. He just makes films that he wants to make. I mean, There Will Be Blood, one of, to explain it, it's just a man who hates everyone who has an oil rig. But it is just such a compelling film. And this, 
I mean, the name Reynolds Woodcock, what a name. Apparently that started off as a joke when they were writing the script and then it just stayed. So Daniel Day-Lewis plays the aforementioned Reynolds, who is a fashion designer in London. He lives with his sister, played by Leslie Manville. And it starts off with him offing his, not offing, sorry, getting rid of his most recent sort of love interest. And then he goes off to the country for a, a weekend away and meets Alma, who becomes his new muse. And it sort of follows their story together. On a side note, his breakfast order in that calf was bloody brilliant. Mm-hmm. Welsh rare bit, poached eggs, sausages, toast, bacon, scones with jam and cream. That's a breakfast order. And tea. Oh, yeah. And of course, tea. He's an Englishman. Uh, so it just follows up like, the trials and tribulations. It's one of those films where not a great deal happens, but it's just done so well. I mean, we've been talking about it on WhatsApp again. It's just his voice as Reynolds is just so satisfying. I can't think of another way of saying it. And the score for this film is just, it is like being sat wrapped in a lovely blanket because it is just... I don't because it's weird. Normally, with a good score, you don't notice it, and that's why it's a good score because it just brings the feeling. But this score, you really notice it because it's mainly piano, which is kind of different because it's quite. I'm going to use the word jagged piano, but I don't mean it about because it's just. Do you, do you get what I mean? I think the reason it's so notable, I don't, I don't, I know you've watched it, it's part of your two weekly roundup. I don't want to talk about Phantom Thread too much because. I think it might make quite the appearance on the end of year episode from me. But um, I think um, the reason why you found it so noticeable, because I think it goes for the first 40 minutes where the music plays constantly. Yeah, the, the music break. is all over the all over it. Um, and it's very like apparent. It's almost a bit too loud, but without being intrusive. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like it's just enveloping you. But it's not it's not like incidental music or sort of like bits of it are played in the background it plays continuously for a huge chunk of the film which is quite unusual it's not like it plays a little bit and then there's no music it yeah. plays a little bit it's just there all the time but no i i really enjoyed this film i th- so i'm a massive daniel day lewis fan as well um can't believe it didn't win any oscars because it's just just luxurious and another thing i really enjoyed the length of his socks they are like right up to the knee jobs. They're beautiful. <laughs> Sonia's just smiling back at me over her microphone. Uh, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed that film. Um, I was really annoyed I didn't get to see it at the cinema because it just it seemed to show like for about a week in Hemel and like at five o'clock when I wouldn't be able to get it. Because you saw it twice in the end, didn't you? I saw cinema? it three times. I was quite greedy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's the end of my weekly roundup other than the Christmas film, which we'll I get did, to shortly. So I watched a Christmas film that is nothing to... I watched a Christmas film last night, um, which is nothing to do with any like lists or anything that we're going to talk about. Did you want me to... Well, yeah, but it's not going to come up um, in this. Only because... <laughs> this is this is quite... Um, I've never um, watched anything like this before. Um, I was going to go to the cinema last night with my mum, because I happened to be in her neck of the woods... And we were just going to pop along to the cinema and the Robin Hood film was on. That's what we were going to see because that's what time we were free. Yeah. And, but we hadn't booked it or anything. We were just going to like rock up. But at the last minute, I decided to just quickly look on the app. Um, and the screen was almost completely full. We would have had to sit on the front row. And I oh, just said, no one needs like, that. Oh, no. So we decided to give it a miss. Um, and I said to my mum, have you got any Christmas films? Because we're doing a Christmas pod. And she had a couple, but I'd seen them. So we put one of those Christmas channels on. It's Christmas 24, it's called. Oh, so I've, God. I've never watched anything. Basically, these Hallmark movies. Yeah. I have never watched anything like this. But anyway, this film had literally just started called Christmas Joy. And it's got, um, I think her name is, is Danielle or Daniela Panbaker, something like oh, that. Oh, Panabaker. Oh, is that her name? She's, she's in like loads of TV stuff. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I recognised her straight away, but I don't don't watch any of those shows. But she was in the Friday the Thirteenth remake, which of she course was, yeah. I watched last Friday the Thirteenth, which was like in the summer sometime. So um, that's where I recognised her from. But she plays it, so it's called Christmas Joy. She is Joy, um, and she is a young lady who works in the city, and her and she's been brought up by her aunt because her mum died when she was a girl, and she her aunt breaks her ankle just before Christmas, so she goes back to her hometown to sort of. Make sure her aunt's okay. But 
get ready for the big cookie run, I think it's called, where basically I think they cook loads of cookies and they sort of, it's a bit like trick or treat for Halloween, but for Christmas. And I think they sort of decorate their houses and, in, and people come around and invite people around and they, they try all your different cookies and then someone gets given a prize because a few days before they have like a gingerbread competition. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. just this thing where people come to your house and eat your biscuits. Um, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, yeah, I thought you'd like her. Um, so she goes back to her hometown. She helps out her aunt. She bumps into her whole her old high school crush who has to help her with the with the cookie run and all of this. I think it's called a cookie run, but anyway. Um, and it was so incredibly cheesy and shit, but I really enjoyed it. Like I really, <laughs> really did. And I was sat there. Did it and put I, you in the Christmas mood. I just, I just really enjoyed it. She had to go. She had to go back to uh, Washington for her like works Christmas gala. Um, and the the guy that her was her high school crush, he like followed her there, but at the last minute, like didn't talk to her and went back home. And they had this like real back and forth of like, will they, won't they? Um, and then she decides to take a job near her. She realizes that being with her family and the ones she loves is more important than having this high flying job in the city. So she decides to move back home and live with her aunt. And she takes a job closer to home and it has a very happy ending and there's lots of Christmas decorations and her aunt wins the cookie run. Oh, spoiler. Um, and then another one started straight afterwards, which started with some Christmas tragedy. So it was right up my street, but it was getting a bit late. And I said to my mom, I will get engrossed and it's called Christmas 24. I will literally watch this shit for 24 hours. But um, I tell you, I'm going home this weekend. I'm firing up my own Christmas channel on the Virgin Box. And um, I'll probably be watching it all of Saturday and Sunday. It was it was shit but enjoyable. I think I gave it three and a half out of five on uh, Letterboxd. Okay, I enjoyed it. If it was on the telly now, I'd watch it again. That's the sort of thing Gem likes. It, honestly, see if you've got Christmas 24, she'd lap that Oh, everyone's up. got that kind of shit. That's, um, that's not a paid channel, is it? Um, but they have these like known actors in doing bits and bobs mm. the one that was on afterwards did have an actress in that i really recognized but um i couldn't I've, there's no way i could tell you what the film was called but it started off with someone's mum dying so i was like right i'm having some of this <laughs> so it's like my kind of christmas cheer <laughs> um so yeah but i mean obviously it didn't make a dent in my top five christmas films of all time really um, but i did quite enjoy it so that's christmas joy on the christmas 24 channel if you want to watch it Smashing. Yeah, I thought so. That's that's basically like my Kex file for this week. <laughs> well, we didn't, we're not doing Kex files yeah, anymore, I know, are we? I know, but that was my equivalent of it. Okay. So that is our weekly roundup. So next, so if you follow us on social media, either individually or the Theatrical Cut pod, uh, you'll know that we've been doing a few little polls asking for your favourite Christmas films. We'll cover that in the next pod. But a question that we've been asking is, is Die Hard a Christmas film? It is. Next. <laughs> so what would you say Sonia before we get to the, the polls would you say it's a Christmas film I've, I've never considered it a Christmas film no why um, I for a start it's a film that has I'm completely indifferent to it um, I've seen it a couple of times um, it does nothing for me um, but I don't um, I don't get any Christmassy feelings when I watch it that's that's it really. It has a happy ending. He saves the day. I told you just now that I was about to watch a Christmas film where someone's mum had died. <laughs> it doesn't need a fucking happy ending. Well, a lot of a people die film. in Die Hard. Doesn't need a happy ending. I mean some of them die quite Christmas easily film. as well to be fair. Um it's just I've just never found it very Christmassy. That's that's it. I but So I would call it a Christmas film. That's because you're a boy. Well for me it's because there's lots of films that are set at Christmas and that doesn't like Iron Man 3 is set at Christmas Lethal Weapon set at Christmas I wouldn't call them Christmas films but Christmas plays a part in the plot of this film he's there because it's Christmas and he's going to see his estranged wife and kids for Christmas it all happens at the Christmas party and there's lots of Christmas obviously he writes ho 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 on someone in blood but for me it's just because Christmas plays a part in the film because there's other films that will come up that you could have them at any time, like Home Alone. That could happen at any other point in the year. It doesn't have to have been at Christmas that he gets left home alone. So it's not... So for me, it is Christmas. And our, our listeners slash social media followers have decided with a whopping majority of 68% that it is a Christmas film. 
So 68% to 30%, which eagle-eared people will realise that there's 2% missing. That's because someone's vote was who gives a fuck, Mm. which I thought I'd add into it because at the end of the day, as Dan said, it doesn't matter. If it's a Christmas film to you, it's a Christmas film to you because a lot of it is how you feel. And for me, Batman with Michael Keaton is a fairly Christmassy film because when I was younger, it was on at Christmas every year. I can remember... We'd have Christmas dinner, we'd play with our toys a bit, then we'd go and see my auntie and we'd always end up watching Batman on the telly eating cold turkey sandwiches. So yeah, so it's 30 people in, and all said yes. But yeah, a, an overwhelming majority. So, anything to say on that, Sonia? Um, no. <laughs> As you can see, it's a, it's a, something that's very important to me. It's a, it's a passion project. Yeah. Obviously, the main reason we spoke about this is because HMV have now added it to their Christmas collection and given it a lovely Christmassy cover. Mm. Um, and they did a tweet which said, of course, it's a Christmas film. Get o- get on with it or something like that. No, that that wasn't it, was it? Let me just uh, bring it up. I, I did got... send it to you. Just a, I know you did. Just momentarily. Here ago. it is. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There are two kinds of people. Those who think Die Hard is a Christmas movie and those who are wrong. Get it in our, get it in our Christmas collections now. Um. It's just one of those things that it's just... I just wanted to start, like, a little debate. So we we asked the question on Facebook and we asked it on Instagram and we asked it on the Theatrical Cut account and we asked it on our own accounts, didn't we? And um, I asked the question, is is Die Hard a Christmas film? And actually, on, the, on Insta, I think it was much more um, weighted on Facebook... Because one of my Instagram polls um, came back as a 50-50 split mm. um, of people saying um, uh, yes and no. Um, and one guy, uh, Rob Movie Geek, because um, I said, can I can I quote you? And um, he, he basically said, for all those people that are saying it's not a Christmas film, I take it that they don't think It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas film. Because then you may have noticed I then asked, yeah. is It's a Wonderful Life a Christmas film? And I think, uh, with the exception of Rob Movie Geek, who said, no, it's not a Christmas film, everyone else said, well, yeah, it's a Christmas film. And someone actually messaged me privately regarding your poll, why wouldn't this be a Christmas film? I said, oh, I'm just putting it out there because someone else has questioned it. You said Die Hard isn't a Christmas film. So if Die Hard isn't a Christmas film, then It's a Wonderful Life isn't a Christmas film because, again, it's just a film that's set at Christmas. Mm. And the guy's response was, yeah, but it's... It's about family and it is set at Christmas. So in his eyes, it's a wonderful life because it had such a strong family mm. centre to it was a Christmassy film. And I have to admit, my my immediate reaction is, yes, of course, it's a wonderful life is a Christmas film. Um, it's a really lovely film. Mm. Um, but it does have quite a sort of like, you know... I, I sort of know roughly what it's about, but yeah, I've just never seen it. Yeah, I mean, the, it. like, the main part of the story is actually really tragic and really sad. But, yeah, it's set at Christmas and a family come together at the end of it. So, um, it's just one of those things, just getting people's opinions, really. Um, you know, I didn't want anyone to get mad about it. A few people did get a bit angry over the yeah, whole Die on, Hard on thing. Facebook it did, didn't it? it? Like, oh, Where people oh. could actually talk and not just say yes or no. Calm yourselves. Um, so, yeah, Instagram was a bit more... Um, balanced people sort of like yeah it, it was pretty much I think one of my polls was 50-50 um, but yeah Facebook everyone seemed to be going nuts um, but yeah it was just meant to be like a little bit of a little bit of fun yeah a little bit of fun I'm not fussed either way because it's ne- I'm, ne- I'm never going to have it as part of my Christmas collection I, I doubt- oh, so I don't have it in my Christmas selection but and I do I mean I guess I do watch it Christmas, but it is a film that I would happily watch outside of Christmas but it's if I'm honest, if it was if it came on the telly and I was with someone who was watching it, then it'd probably stay on, but it's probably not a film that I would choose to watch even. It's just not a film that's on my radar. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm not fussed. Fair enough. I'm not fussed about it at all. So moving on from that then, <coughs> as we said, we've got lots of top fives and stuff to go through. We'll go through like the main Christmas films in the second pod. Uh, but what we're going to cover now is an alternative top five Christmas films. So it's not necessarily in a top five, but it's just five films that Sonia and I both really like that are Christmas films, but they're not your happy-go-lucky, everyone what finds you, out what's going on. You say that. This is an interesting top five because I was going to I was gonna question you about one of them. But let's. Um... Uh, one of them I dropped because I did it purely, possibly the one you were going to question me on, because I did it purely off of, I googled it. 
and I thought I hadn't seen it for ages. I put that on there, and then I was looking at it, and I realised it wasn't a Christmas film. Oh, okay, so I'll, I'll I'll listen to your top five then and see if it's. So I say it's not necessarily in a top five. So we'll go with the one that I've watched this week. So Krampus. Yeah. See now, I I looked through my Christmas bag of films, um, and I don't have Krampus. I checked in my Christmas collection and my horror collection. I don't have the Krampus. I don't think I've seen it, Terry. It's got Tony Collette in it, if that helps. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen any version. So the the one I'm talking about is the American version, which is a remake, because obviously the Krampus is like a German legend. He's like the anti, anti-Saint anti Nicholas. Um, and this film is an American remake. It's set in America. Randomly, there is a German grandmother who speaks only German, but everyone else speaks English. They can all understand her, but they all talk English to her, which mm-hmm. just seems a little bit odd. Um, but it's set at Christmas. It's this sort of Tony Collette and her husband are sort of not like posh, but like well to do. They've got a nice house. They've got nice kids and her sister's coming along and they've got <clears throat> it's David Koch, who's in Anchorman. He's the bull guy. And his sister turns up, sister turns up and basically they're like a very brash family. He's very big into hunting. They've got lots of kids and it's just sort of the juxtaposition of the families. The little boy, Tony Collette's young son, basically gets taunted. His name's Max, and they all call him Maxipad, which I thought was <laughs> <laughs> quite funny, yeah. Um, so he's got his letter for Santa, and these other kids find it and tease him about it. And in his letter, he sort of said how he wants his mum and dad to fall back in love because he knows that they're having a hard time and that he knows his un- auntie and uncle are having a hard time and he hopes that they'll be, like, be able to like get on with each other. Ends up getting really annoyed. He rips his letter, throws it out the window, and to this point, like the wind catches the letter and it flies up into the sky. And so, is this going to turn into Mary Poppins? Not quite. Oh. So that, that's when Krampus arrives, who is essentially. So the first time I watched it, I didn't remember seeing his face. I thought it was like this. He's like hoofen. He's got massive, great horns. But I thought it was like some sort of beast. But seeing it again, it is actually like he's got Santa's face. He's got like a long beard. Obviously, he looks fucking horrendous but he's dragging chains behind him and at this blizz- they wake up the next day and a blizzard has taken over the town, power's out. And at this point, Granny starts getting a little bit more sort of, ooh, what's going on? And essentially Krampus comes when people lose the Christmas spirits and stop seeing it as a time of giving and as a time of sacrifice. He comes to show people that it's a time of sacrifice, it's a time of giving. And it starts off very slowly where it's like you just think nothing's happening. The daughter goes to see her boyfriend who lives like a few blocks away. And as she's walking down the street, we can see Krampus jumping from house to house. A bit like 30 Days of Night where Mm. you can just see them in the background. She then clocks it and there's a bit of a chase and she disappears. And basically slowly but surely they start to disappear. And then grandma tells this story of when she was little, how Krampus came and took her family away but left her to show that, like to, to pass on the message essentially of the Krampus. Um, and it's at this point it goes into like sort of almost proper stupid horror. So these presents have been left at the house, which they stupidly bring into the house. And for, there's a teddy bear that obviously they all come to life. There's a teddy bear. There's an angel for the top of a tree. There's a gingerbread man who fucks shit up. And then there's this jack in a box, which is this giant like snake type thing that's got like the blade two split jaw mouth where he Mm. swallows people and it's just it's one of those ott stupid but it's got just such a lovely sort of gothic look because it's all based on this like german fairy tale so elves are in it they've all got these like wooden masks that are all like ornately carved um and yeah it's just like them trying to battle the krampus and his minions and survive it goes over a few days and it's at one point, they make a break for it. They end up back in the house. Then they make a break for it, and it's they're getting picked off. It's like, are oh, they getting picked off? And Granny's got this weird thing. Can't really go into too much more detail without spoiling it. But I really enjoyed it. I remembered enjoying it, but rewatching it, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. It's like it's got some nice things. It's got a nice ending. Um, it's not your typical sort of horror ending film. Um, but yeah, you you'd love it. Have you got it? Yeah. I'll have a lender that. Yeah, I'll I'll dig it out of me me portable DVD player. The next poll is the Krampus a Christmas film or a horror film? (laughs) Uh, Very much a Christmas horror film. (laughs) But no, really, really good. Um, I would like to see like 
an original because I know there's been a few low budget ones yeah. and I think that this is the first proper big budget version but I don't know if there's been like a moderate budget German one or if it's just it's mm. a German fairy tale and they've made it into an American film because uh, I know there's been some proper cheap American versions that are proper shite mm. um, I'm surprised it hasn't spawned any sequels I assume it just didn't do very well because I'm pretty sure the DVD came out in the middle of the year as well not like at Christmas I really don't know um, but yeah decent cast I say Tony Collette very good in it as she is in everything uh, so next up, we'll talk about a world cinema title, Rare Imports. I love this film. Yeah, so I don't actually own it. Oh. Because that was one I was going to rewatch. But yeah, I must have borrowed yours or we obviously must have watched it mm. together. So do you want to talk about this one, Song? Well, I haven't watched it since last Christmas because it's not December yet. Um, yeah. Even though I did make, you know, I did watch a Hallmark film. Um, and my understanding is that they've... Where's it set? It's set in like Iceland or something, like Reykjavik, I think. Yeah, somewhere really fucking cold, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And they've got... Haven't they got like all the sand... Haven't they got like a load of Santas or a load of... Because it's like the real Santa is like an evil being or something that's like trapped in the ice, isn't he? And they've... Ugh. And these sort of other Santas are like coming to get him out or something like that. It's really fucking weird. And there's loads of like reindeers and stuff, isn't there? Yeah. Because they're in with the reindeers and haven't they got like... Do you know what? I might be getting confused with Because um... I think all the Santas are naked as well, aren't they? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of that episode of The, uh, of the Simpsons where Homer is going into that pen with all the reindeers. <laughs> and Similar gay, vibe. Isn't that gay guy there with the, the zap gun to scare yeah. them all off? That's what I'm thinking of. Are you looking it up? Yeah, so the IMDb blurb on christmas eve in finland santa oh, claus santa claus is unearthed in an archaeological dig soon after children start disappearing leading a boy and his father to capture santa and with the help of fellow hunters they look to sell him back to the corporation that sponsored the dig and then there's santa's elves who are determined to free the leader so it's i think elves, it's yeah, yeah it's elves but they are they're naked aren't they the elves mm, and they're like old men aren't they yeah and santa's like giant he's not like your normal santa but yeah, so basically he's been dug up. But it's just this really... It's like father-son, isn't it, mainly? And they're just... Because he's like hunting for reindeer and stuff. But it's just yeah. very weird, but very, very good. And they live this really sort of like uh, basic uh, lifestyle, don't they? So yeah. like just two of them in a hut and, you know, hunting for their food and don't have any money. Because that's the problem, isn't it? There's like a group of workers and they can't... Yeah. They can't get any food, can they? They can't hunt anything. Um, I'm guessing these elves, uh, Santa's helpers, must have eaten it all or killed them all. I don't know. But yeah, that'll be getting another watch. It's just nice because it's... I, I, it, it is like... I don't want to say it's a horror film. It would be classed as one, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you were to go into a shop, it would be in the horror section. Well, probably in the world cinema section for most, because yeah. they separate those out, don't they? Yeah, actually, it might be in the world cinema. Um, but yeah, it's def- I mean, it's definitely a Christmas film, because it's about fucking Santa Claus, isn't it? And nude elves. <coughs> but completely different take on it. Yeah, definitely worth a look, but a non non-cheery Christmas film. Yeah, it's very bleak, yeah. as, with, as are most things that come out of Finland in a... Uh, thematic thing if you think of all the detective noir series they're all bundles of joy aren't they yeah Uh, so that brings us on to Santa Slays so this is the replacement one so I'm not doing these in any particular order Um, so this is a film starring Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus uh, who is a former wrestler and in this film Santa is a devil who lost a bet and as part of his bet he has to be nice to people give out presents and He's been forced to do it for a thousand years and on this year it's over and he basically comes out and starts killing people. Hmm. And he's like using peppermint sticks to stab people. He, he's just, he's having a lovely time catching up on the thing. Um, but yeah, it's just a proper OTT, ridiculous. I mean, I'm just looking at it on thinking now, all the pictures, it's just, I mean, James can be force fed a uh, peppermint stick. But it's just very OTT, very stupid, just enjoyable, 
very much a Christmas film because it stars Santa Claus mm. as a murdering psychopath. I, I guess a bit like Futurama with robot Santa who's just out to kill people. Maybe that's where it came from. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot older than I thought. It's from 2005. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was a bit newer than that. But, yeah, so did I. But yeah, perfectly. If you want to watch like an alternative film where it's just lols, it's, I mean, I guess it's the closest thing to it would be like a sort of Friday the 13th film where it's just stupid kills all over the place. Um, and then in a similar vein, so you've got Black Christmas. So this is obviously a film that was... Fair, oh no, not that recently remade. So the original was 1974 and mm-hmm. the remake was 2006. Yeah. I thought that again was more recent. So this is about a sorority house set at Christmas and essentially weird things start happening and essentially a killer is living in the walls of the sorority house, isn't he? Because mm. like the cover is like Christmas decorations against a wall and a hole in the wall and you can just see an eye looking through it. So this is like a proper old-fashioned 70s slasher film set at Christmas. So it's very much OTT, blood, guts. Uh, Margot Kidder is in both versions. So in the first one, she's a ch- she's one of the girls. And in the newer one, she is like the sorority leader who has to deal with the shenanigans. Um, not a film I've seen for a while, but I just remember very much enjoying it and it being very stupid. The remake was very much a sort of up-and-coming it girl at the time who've all gone on to do very little. So you had Michelle Trachtenberg, who's obviously from Buffy, Mm -hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who hasn't really done a lot, Lacey Chabert, Kate Cassidy, who's now in the Arrow TV series. Um, But yeah, just very stupid, but very, very enjoyable. And then last but not least, Gremlins, which I don't think I need to explain what Gremlins is. Do I, Sonia? I would have thought not. So obviously Gremlins gave us Gizmo and do not feed him before midnight. And this is obviously set at Christmas. Gizmo is a Christmas present from the dad who's been away traveling and wants to give his son an exotic present and all fucking hell breaks loose. I'd say that's a good description of it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the film that um, you originally were going to include... Um, you have removed. Yes. Uh, which was Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, so I was just Googling and I read it. it. was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remembered Snow. Snow. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was I was talking to my mum about it and I said to her, I'm pretty sure there's snow in it, but I don't remember it being Christmas. But um, what about um, Bad Santa? I don't know if that's an alternative Christmas film because that came up a lot. So none of those films came up from people suggesting films. Whereas Bad Santa came up quite a lot. Oh, did it? I, I think I, I think I think that that is just a Christmas film now. Although it's rude. obviously a rude comedy, yeah. it's not like people getting murdered and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess I um the only person I spoke to about Bad Santa was someone telling me that they really didn't like it. I've not seen the just... second one that got made last year or whatever. I enjoy it, but for me, it's not it's not brilliant. Yeah, it's just... I think the first time I watched it. I thought it was funny, but then subsequent viewings didn't really hold up. Yeah, I think up. it's because it's sort of the shock value of yeah. Father Christmas talking about anal sex and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's our alternative top five. If you if you want some festive cheer, but don't want the usual sunshine and rainbows. If you want some festive stabbings. Yeah. Then maybe watch some of these. If some you want the stabbings, it's Santa Slay all the way. Some festive death. Yeah, very much so. So that brings us to a close on part one. As I say, we'll be back next week where we'll go through our personal top fives and then the overall top five as voted for by you, the listeners. Exciting. Uh, and I don't know what, I don't know the no, results. No, you don't. I've had a lovely time compiling a spreadsheet. I do love an Excel you doc. You love it, don't I you? I fucking love it. Um, I can't wait to start doing the stuff for the end of year top 10. Be like a pig in shit. <laughs> Um, uh, so anything you'd like to add before we end Son I don't think so no I can't think of anything off the top of my head right I'm pretty sure I had a note or something to say um, about Christmassy things but it's gone out of my head 
Um, I'm sure you'll do the social media stuff because uh, you're better at remembering it than me. But um, I'll just um, say that if you want to listen to the latest uh, Too Much Time On Our Hands pod, they've got a news episode out. Um, and if you really wanted to know what happened, um, if Ant-Man really was that small, they go into it in quite some detail at the start of the episode. I don't think they meant to, but... Um, it took quite an interesting turn right at the start of their episode when they discussed that at quite some length. I've not had a chance to get to that because I've mainly listened to podcasts on the bus and I've been watching Krampus, so mm. I shall look forward to listening to but that. yeah, they've got a, a fun news episode out at the moment, so give that a listen. Yeah, so the social media. So we are Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram. That's the only place really to follow us. We do lovely little polls. We do stories. So at the moment you'll see this, or not at the moment because by the time you it'll be gone. So we'll <laughs> ignore that. Um, <laughs> if you want to email us so ah, if you, you missed it <laughs> yeah fuck you uh, so if you want to get in touch for any reason we are theatricalcut at gmail.com so if you are wanting to let us know your top 10 or even just your film of 2018 then mm. get in touch let us know we're very eager to hear that I am prefax on the Instagram and Sonia is Mallory underscore watches the mother pod is here we go T-M-T-O-O-H on Twitter. Yeah. On Instagram. On Instagram. And T-M-2. I'll, I'll just do it, shall I? I'll do yeah. so. <laughs> oh, was that? I was right, wasn't it? No. Um, it's T-M-T-O-O-H on the Instagram and 2-M-T-O-O-H on the Twitter. One day. One, one day. day. You're getting there. You're getting better. The day we change the fucking handles. I um, it's just funny watching your face, like trying to go through their name in your head and get the letters in I the right order. Have to visualise it. T M two. No, you put the two in the wrong place. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Stupid Dan, getting stupid fucking handles. It should it should just be D A N <laughs> at, at Instagram dot com. Um, but yeah, that's them. If you want to talk to them about anything. Okay, so that's the social media. That's our alternative Christmas films. Thanks for Mike listening. Mike, drop. Yeah.